not going to fight anymore. I'm also just a girl. I hate to float. Standing in front of a boy. Such a great audience. Come on, y'all talkers up in here. It's time to keep it down right now. Avengers! I am not the one of these. Hey everyone, welcome back to When Cinephiles Attack, a weekly podcast where four movie fans test the limits of their friendship. I'm Josh, here with... Mella, Lacey. And Rashawn. What up? What up? <laughs> What's up, y'all? How you doing? What you been watching? Well, I just started, like literally tonight, I started Defending Jacob on Apple TV. Have you watched it, Rashawn? I'm halfway through. Oh my god, I'm two episodes in and I'm loving it. I just finished an episode before we sat down. Ah! It's so good. It's so realistic and tense and mm-hmm. well done. I am 100% in. I can't say that I love it, but I'm in. Yeah. If that makes any sense. I, I mean, it's, it's very tough subject material it's, it's not it's, an enjoyable watch yeah no it could be flaming garbage and you'd be in because of the cast or something <laughs> <laughs> of whom are you speaking about <laughs> your boyfriend Chris Evans. Jacob, uh, daddy of jacob <laughs> <laughs> it, it looked appealing to me already and then chris evans of course michelle dockery who's uh, she's so great in she's, it. She's probably my favorite part. She's Betty so Gabriel. Great. Yes, what? Come on. What's the kid's name who's in Knives Out? Jaden Martell. He's great in everything. Yeah, he's great. He's the center point of the show. Um, Cherry Jones is very, very good. I don't know if you've mm-hmm. gotten to her yet. Are you seeing her? I don't think so. Um, yeah, it's a, and there's some other people who pop up that I won't spoil that's good i'm interested we got a request from Lacey's cousin hannah to do a movie on the pod it's the trial of the chicago seven on netflix Mm -hmm. uh the movie itself is kind of hit or miss because it's aaron sorkin directed and written i thoroughly enjoyed it enjoyed it because i'm a big sorkin fanboy but i think it's important that everybody watch it and it's a very important story to learn if you don't know what happened there are very telling comparisons that can be made to what happens in that movie to what's going on today i think it's incredibly important for people to watch it and if you are so inclined to read more about what happened as it compares to what's going on right now i i want to leave it up to the viewer i want to leave it up to you guys to the listener to form your own opinion but i think it's very important that if you get the opportunity, you watch Trial of the Chicago 7 on Netflix. I also watched it. I do enjoy a lot of Aaron Sorkin's work. I think without going too deep into it, for me, there was a, a moment where I felt like the movie, which is a lot of what Aaron Sorkin's work does, was more about the ideal that everyone's good. And mm-hmm. there's just kind of a few bad apples of the bunch. And when that happens, it, it almost eclipses the reality that there's an institution that yeah. is the problem. And there are some pretty, actually, because I, I did a little bit more research, there's some pretty drastic changes that he takes mm-hmm. with the story, especially towards the end. 
So watch it. Don't take it as gospel or or fact, but watch it as a, as a movie because I think that's how it's presented personally. But yeah, I I, I do agree, and and thanks to Hannah for shouting that out. And yeah. we're, sh- we're shouting you out. <laughs> I'd say watch it and formulate your own opinion because mm-hmm. a big question that has been circulating around right now is you know, what would I have done? Would I have participated and would I have would I have been part of the movement? You can ask yourself now, what am I doing now? How mm-hmm. am I participating now? For me, it was a good reflection of am I doing enough and what more can I do? It motivated me to do more. Yeah. So. What about you, Mel? What are you watching? I watched Adele's episode of SNL. Hell yeah! yeah. It's good. <laughs> I hadn't seen SNL in a while, and it was fun. It was... Adele did pretty well. The Bachelor sketch. So was... good. She's like, I'm not going to be your musical guest, and then just like takes it. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's the whole t- damn thing. John Mulaney's from this past weekend was also... I mean, it really was good. pure John Mulaney. We, so we watched that, and then we started watching clips on YouTube of... <laughs> bloopers of Stefan and like John Mulaney's like in there it's so fucking funny and I'm also on like I don't know what number of rewatch of Boy Meets World it's yeah! just, just a comfort watch at this point everyone needs a comfort really watch nice. it's, a, it's it's goes between that and the office it's just nice relaxing and that's okay still get my laughs in speaking of shout outs before we get this going Rashawn and Mel, you got some exciting news, right? Yes. So I do want to take a moment. Mel and I had the opportunity to guest on a really awesome podcast called I Drink Your Podcast. This is a film review show hosted by Ben, Matt, Wesley, and Emily. They've all been friends for 20 years now. Each episode, they have a guest. They bring them on. They drink. And they have chosen to review some of the biggest movies of 2007. So we've been interacting on social media every now and then. And, you know, they love our stuff. We love their stuff. I've listened to a bunch of their episodes. And um, they decided to have us on. So fun. As guests. So it was so much fun. I want to do an episode with all of us. Because we could just get really drunk and just cut up like we always yeah. do. But it'll be... I don't know how many people on the mic. Twice the size. Yeah. The The energy on their show is is very like-minded to what we do over here. And they're just, they were so gracious to us and they were awesome hosts. We visited their show for Knocked Up, which was a really fun episode to do. And it should be coming out this week if you're listening. So definitely go check them out. They have really great episodes. They did Stardust. They've done Ratatouille, Hairspray, uh, American Gangster 300. 2007 is an amazing year. It's a great year. Year, yeah. year for movies. <laughs> yeah. They're just really great, awesome people. So Ben, Matt, West, Emily, thank you for having us on. Thank you. You're Woo-hoo! the best. I'm sure you all as listeners will be hearing from them soon because we definitely want to make that happen. So I drink your podcast. Find it everywhere you can get your podcast right next to One Son of Death. All right. Nice cities are over. What are oh. we fighting about today? <laughs> Josh, I, yes. I, I watched I Love You, Man. Yeah, you did. Prepare to be Russia fire.
Sounds better on big speakers. I could see that. Good, right? Yeah. You do it that high when you do it? Well, in, in real life, I do it low. But air base works best up here. Right. <laughs> this is exactly what I look like when I jam out, man. When I jam with my bass. <laughs> Slap at the bass, man. Slapping the bass, man. Slap at that bass, man. I slap at the bass. Please don't do that. Slap at the bass. Please. Slap at the bass. For the sake of our relationship. Slap at the bass. Please stop. Please, please stop. Thank you. Another request from Taylor. Hey, Taylor. Friend of the pod. What's up, Thanks. Mr. Burgrass? I love you, man. Is a 2009 comedy. Directed and written by John Hamburg, starring the incomparable Paul Rudd mm -hmm. and Jason Segel. It's about a man named Peter Clavin, a friendless romantic who finally gets engaged to the love of his life, played by Rashida Jones. And while planning their wedding, they find out Rashida's got six bridesmaids, while Paul Rudd's character has zero groomsmen because he has no friends. He's always been a girlfriend guy. So this movie takes the rom-com structure and flips it on its head. It is entirely a rom-com about a man trying to meet his best friend. I have loved this movie since it came out. It is a very bro movie, for lack of a better <laughs> phrase. I'm aware of it. I'm prepared to defend it. The late 2000s, I think, had a, a renaissance of these kind of movies. Real straight white energy, funny <laughs> quotable lines. <laughs> Ultimately well-meaning movies, but I'm also prepared for what you guys got to say, so hit me. Well, really quick, Josh, what did you coin this movie? It's a, a rom-com. Yeah, but you specifically came up with a term. Now I feel like I'm wrong. Wasn't it a bromantic comedy? Yeah, that's right. Oh. Yeah. So, yes. A, a bromantic comedy. Right. That's a rom-com. It's a bromantic a brom comedy. That's brom -com. what it was. Rom-com. Yeah. 100% of the beats of this movie is a romantic comedy. From the meet-cute to crash and burn of their first big fight to the interrupting of a wedding. And I think something they did that I think is really interesting that he didn't realize until this watch through is that they turned Jason Siegel into this bastardization of what is the trope of a manic pixie dream girl. <laughs> the, a character you may see someone like Zoe Deschanel play yeah. a lot. He's the sort of bro straight white man version of the manic pixie dream girl he doesn't pick up his dog shit he's got a man cave he's misogynistic like he's all these weird things that maybe a buttoned up dweeb like paul rudd's character may aspire to or thinks he aspires to but the crux of the movie is figuring out that maybe that's not all it's cracked up to be i'll start okay <laughs> <laughs> who's gonna start who's gonna start I, I will preface this with I really enjoy this movie. It's a really good time. But my biggest problem with the movie is also the thing that I think it does very well. We are in a society that perpetuates this masculine need to be strong and tough and don't show emotions and burr, 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 burr. that's a technical term by the way <laughs> um, what makes me upset about this movie is the encouragement for more of that from Paul Rudd's character 
But what I think the movie does a really great job of is honoring what we need more of in this society, which is men who are in touch with their emotions, men who are sensitive to the needs of their partners and the people around them. The movie starts with all of Rashida Jones's friends chastising her fiance for not having any friends and like being needy and always being there and that moment where he has the root beer floats ready to walk in just like (laughs) fucking breaks my heart and he overhears them just ragging on him I don't see a problem with Paul Rudd to begin with I think it's really important in a relationship to have your own friends to have your own life and to honor your time away from each other but if you can do that and still be in tune to what your partner needs and wants, I mean, I just, that really bothers me. Yeah. A couple things. Paul Rudd delivers a masterclass in this movie of cringe comedy. So yeah. good. Like yeah. the office style of like, oh, oh man. So like it's he, it's, he definitely threads the needle every time he needs to be a little too awkward. Yeah, it's. Secondhand embarrassment. Oh, he's so good at it. I see what you're saying, Lacey, but I think I think what this movie does is it makes you think, oh, we need this hyper-masculinity, this toxic masculinity, these ideals, this throwing his own shit, screaming at people on the boardwalk. Look how he's aspiring to that. But the first time Peter Clavin uses Sidney's words in his relationship with Zoe, when he asks Zoe, why are we getting married? His relationship crumbles like that. And the only way to fix it is to be Peter again, to be this sensitive, caring man. And I think the movie makes a point of saying Sidney's character may look like this ideal, may look like this fun, insane, sporadic, spontaneous energy, but it's ultimately destructive. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, Peter calls it out towards the end of the movie. He's like, your friends are all moving on with their lives. They have wives, they have kids, they have careers. Like, it's not my fault that you're sitting here at home alone. So I agree with you. But I don't, I, that's the one problem I've always had with the movie. Tell me honestly, if you had a partner who brought in a tray of root beer floats for you and your friends unexpectedly, you wouldn't just melt? Absolutely. Even if it was well, I think just for she. Me. I think she does. She defends him through and through, even with the root beer thing, right? Hello. Why is it? Why is it the Josh and Lacey show right now? You two are so quiet. I remember when you brought up this movie to do on the show, and I was very adamant that I had never seen this movie. First of all, well, I was very wrong. I had seen this. <laughs> And I was tripping because I was like, Rashawn, I've really seen this. He's like, I know. You watched it with me. (laughs) I'm like, wow. Okay, so, but you had said that one thing you might have to work around is like the misogyny in the movie. And I feel like there wasn't as much as I thought there was going to be. Like in Knocked Up or other, like, not that this is a Judd Apatow movie, but in those movies, there's a lot of it. Where it's just, you know, guys talking about balls and pubes and women's tits. And there wasn't a lot of that in this movie. I don't feel like Mm -hmm. he's completely a destructive character. I think he brings out a side of Peter that's 
in there that he's never really had to or he's never been able to bring out because he's always just been a best friend to a girl or just had a girlfriend. And so he's like, I've never really hung out with guys before. So when he is with a guy who's not really on his same wavelength, but isn't so different from him, it does change him for the better and not completely destructive. Yeah, it's an interesting arc because Sydney Sydney definitely doesn't change Peter. For a moment he does, and then Peter realizes. Sydney kind of changes himself, but ultimately he, he doesn't he watches Shock a lot and he comes to the wedding. It's an interesting arc or rather lack thereof for all the characters. They there is maybe some introspective changing, but for the most part, a lot of the characters don't change. They just become friends right which is which is realistic i mean yeah they've known each other for only a month yeah i think a couple months yeah so it's like paul rudd is a grown-ass man you know he's just yeah. gonna he's not gonna <laughs> completely change his ways you know he's like yeah and he's a good man so he's like i'm gonna take on some of what sydney has to give but i'm not completely changing who i am which is yeah. what i liked about it and what I do very much appreciate about their relationship is where in Knocked Up or other movies where misogyny is a bit more prevalent, especially yeah. when talking about sex and relationships, I think this movie does a really good job of showing men how they can talk about the things that are going on in their lives that's not just did you watch the game did you <laughs> did you see that movie like it's important for men to have those relationships where they can be open and share those things with each other but <laughs> here we go come on under no circumstances is it ever okay to, to not pick up your dog's poop i'm bringing that up later what you are <laughs> <laughs> that is literally one of my talking points for this episode okay sorry continue <laughs> no i feel bad rashawn hasn't pitched in at all i'm talking too much no 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 please <laughs> it was really interesting re-watching this because my best friend corliss introduced me to this movie like years ago and if she loves a comedy i fucking love a comedy and i ate this up Rewatching it, a number one, I think I'm so I like I've never met Taylor and I feel like he's going to hate me so much. He will. <laughs> no, he won't. <laughs> <laughs> this movie like shoots out like a bullet and it is so funny right out the gate. Yeah. And then about halfway through, I think it loses so much steam. I can feel that. Here's Lou Ferrigno and here's like, you know, <laughs> yeah. this other stuff. And it just gets a little bogged down for me. I think, like you said, Josh, this is a romantic comedy about two, you know, platonic male friends. And I think if they had kept that up where the only conflict in the movie is this romantic comedy between the two of them, but then... They try to create conflict with Peter and Zoe, and I'm like, if it had just been Sydney and Peter, and they they have a meet cute, and they fall in love, so to speak, and then they have a blow up, and then they're back together. If the movie had like 
kind of siphoned away all the other stuff and focused in on that, it would have been such a cleaner movie to me. Yeah, I guess now that you're saying that, I can kind of agree. It's it's at its strongest when it's Peter that dating, when mm-hmm. it's just about him trying to find a best friend. Having said that, getting to the Peter dating of it all, this movie is is very straight and very white, and that's I, that's mm-hmm. never a an issue when I'm watching a movie because I wanted to know. ask you about something. I think you're going to bring it up. <laughs> yeah. Because that's most movies that I watch. Right. That's what we got. That's, uh-huh. that's, that's most movies that are made. Yo-ho. Right. And that's fine. I think this movie tries to get away with, for comedy's sake, which is what a lot of movies of this kind do, is the slight gay panic, mm-hmm. which I think they believe because they have a character that is gay, that it's okay if some of the jokes that they make are there mm-hmm. where I was, there were moments where I was like, Oh, this is really funny. And then moments where I was like, should I fucking be laughing at this? Cause I don't fucking know. <laughs> like the open mouth kiss from, which is really funny, but I'm also like, he never feels grossed out or anything. like Paul Rudd just takes it. And yeah. Thomas Lennon is just like goes for it. Is that <laughs> but is that just a character trait? Is Peter Clavin just that passive before he meets Sydney? But yeah, probably. But it, but he does. I agree that Paul Rudd's really great in this, and he Peter does seem like the kind of guy that would just take the kiss. Yeah, <laughs> he does. But then we get into the Andy Samberg, and uh, yeah, I want to delve uh, into that. What are your thoughts on Andy Samberg's character? I don't know. I, I honestly don't know. As <laughs> speaking as a straight man, I <laughs> I'm gonna give them a little bit of the benefit of the doubt here. But I think what they tried to do was admirable in a sense that I appreciate it just as a viewer, not even trying to connect with what it's like as as a gay man to watch. But just as a viewer, I appreciate it when someone's sexuality isn't their identity. But it is his character's identity. Like that's yeah, that's the flaw in it. Is it's it's he's the gay brother. He's the gay son, and I right. I respect that he's the gay son. And like he's the first still thing my they best say friend. is like, like yeah, he had a lot of friends. He, he probably right. sucked their dicks. That's like, okay. I'm that's I shouldn't have stopped myself because now it, I stopped at a bad moment. <laughs> no, keep going, keep going. Because I was going to connect that to I think what they tried to do was make it so he wasn't this gay brother stereotype, but in doing that really just focused on his whole identity, being a gay man who likes to try and flip straight men, which is like just casually thrown in there. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Did you see the ring? He's married. He ruined the marriage. Did you see that? At the dinner. Yeah. That's insane. <laughs> I want to give them the benefit of the doubt and said they had admirable goals, especially because back in the aughts, we, we, as a collective, unfortunately forgave a lot more in terms of casual homophobia mm-hmm. in movies like this, mm-hmm. in the sort of vein of this movie and, and like Anchorman. Like you said, gay panic was just an easy joke to make. Yeah. yeah. And it still is. But yeah, yeah. I, and I don't speak for the whole entire community. I would never try to. I don't think there's anything in this movie that is completely egregious. I, it it toes the line. It toes the line. And I think they thought because of the way they wrote Andy Samberg's character and what they did with him that it was 
acceptable or casual. Yes, thank you. That's what I was trying to yeah. get across. Is they they tried to make him so not what gay stereotype characters were that they could get away with his identity being just a gay man. Right. And, and I let me just say, like, two writers out there. Not as a representative, but as a member. <laughs> as a just, card-carrying member. Just because your character is not effeminate doesn't mean that they can't be a stereotype. And that's mm-hmm. all I'm going to say. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for saying in one sentence what I failed to say in 12. <laughs> <laughs> that is but one part of one person's identity. Speaking of Andy Samberg, mm-hmm. I did want to hype this movie up a little bit. I think... Obviously, Paul Rudd is phenomenal. Jason Segel and Rashida Jones are too. But this is a murderer's row of character actors doing bit parts. Like J.K. Simmons, Jane Curtin, obviously. Sarah Burns is Haley. Fucking Rob Hubel as Tevin is so good. I think upon rewatching it now, and maybe it's because I know this movie in and out, and I know all of Paul Rudd's lines, I enjoy the scenes with all of the supporting cast. Mm-hmm. I think almost more than anything watching it this time around because they all knock it out of the park, I think. It is a great ensemble piece, a really great ensemble piece. I mean, you have Aziz Ansari, you have John Nick Kroll. Nick Kroll. Like... Gotta give a shout out to Jamie Presley. Oh my God, she's my favorite. They are another case of, to connect it, a couple in a movie that's not the main couple with the way that Paul Rudd was and knocked up. With Leslie yeah. Mann, I think mm-hmm. John Favreau and Jamie Presley kill it. Could have walked away with the movie, but they don't. They're barely in the movie, but they're they're so good together, right? Yeah. And that's where I feel like the movie does a really good job of showing what a healthy relationship is. You get zero sympathy, puke and all, <laughs> from me for John Favreau throughout this movie. Like, yeah, he, he's just a dick. He's just an asshole. <laughs> yeah, but so. Is she to him? Like, their relationship is not necessarily a healthy relationship. And that contrast helps show not just how healthy Zoe and Peter's relationship is, but how healthy Peter's relationship is to Sydney and why their relationship is symbiotic. Okay, but what I tried to pinpoint this time around, but I can't, still can't, is that I think the problem is peter in the movie i don't know if it ever addresses it is that he is so impressionable mm-hmm. where he so easily takes to sydney and he tries to become sydney and then i don't know it there's like this ping pong thing that i i feel like they could have like i said shaved away a bunch of stuff and focused in on this where he's so okay being the guy that just loves his fiance and he's always with her. Yeah. And then literally Sydney just has one conversation with him about why are you getting married? And then he doesn't know why he's getting married, but we started the movie with him proposing to her. Mm. And I was just like, what's happening, bro? Like, are you not on solid ground on anything? Because he just, he just seemed to like sway both ways anytime. I don't, necessarily think that i i do agree that he's impressionable but i wouldn't say that he is like head in the clouds doesn't have his feet sunk into something solid i think he's a very too solid guy like he wakes up every morning at the same time drinks the same coffee like he's that type of guy 
So when you have Sydney, who's, yeah, fuck it. I'm going to wear Uggs to the boots and let my dog shit in the, the sand. He. Unacceptable. <laughs> Unacceptable. Continue. Um, I think like is fascinated by that because he's like, I've never done this, you know, like this is kind of crazy, but I'm also like riding the high of this. Which is why I think when he goes to the, when uh, he invites him to the concert and he's like, I can't, I got to stay home and watch HBO. It's like, what do you mean? HBO? Watch it next time. Let's go to this fucking concert. (laughs) That, that kind of stuff is cool because he's just, he's very set in his ways. But I think when it lost me was the, him literally going back and maybe it's, subconscious but he's like yeah i don't i don't know he asked me why we were getting married and i didn't know what to say and i'm like how do you not know that that's a terrible thing to say yeah yeah if they had been in their 20s and this these characters were doing this but the fact that he's they're so adult but they've also only been together eight months he jumped from his previous relationship right into this relationship with zoe i i am agreeing with what you're saying and what you think, Rashawn, I think, in that we don't really see a shift or a change or growth in Peter other mm-hmm. than like testing the waters of do I want to be like Sydney? No, I don't. He, like he tests it with, you know, the conversations that he has with Zoe, but realizes that's not really who he is or really who he wants, but he loves Sydney for who he is. And the things that he's brought into his life. But I think the movie would have been more rewarding, taking this way back to when you were talking about if the relationship had just been about Peter and Sydney and not brought Zoe into the equation. Completely. Because it also did a disservice to her character, her getting angry about him, quote unquote, not paying attention to her during the concert. Why go, girl? Like, Why'd you go? Just let him go with his friend. Stay like, at home. They used Zoe as a catalyst to point out that Peter was spending more time with Sydney and made that a conflict within their relationship rather than just Sydney bringing up that Zoe needs to give Peter more blowjobs at at an engagement party dinner. Which, what the fuck? What? The, that's what I was talking about earlier with completely unacceptable. <laughs> completely unacceptable. He forgives him so quickly and easily. He's just like, yeah, hey, it's, it's all right. <laughs> is this, is Sydney, this is not a Jack Black situation, but. Oh, here we fucking go. Tread carefully, my friend. (laughs) (laughs) But is he charismatic enough to pull off this character? No, and I think that's intentional. But but everyone in the in the movie responds like he is. I think I think. Uh, uh, go. Wait, go ahead. my turn. I'm waiting my turn. He's talking. No, no go don't ahead, wait your turn. <laughs> go ahead, because I've got a lot to unpack when I start talking. So. I disagree with that. I think Peter is the one who is completely smitten and charismatic with him, along with Zoe's friend, and I feel like an Bailey? asshole for... Yeah, the one that try- they try to set mm-hmm. up with yeah, Sydney. Yeah, 
Peter and Haley are the two that are like infatuated right away. And if you look at their character descriptions, they're two characters that are like desperate for affection and relationship. Thank you. No, no, right, no, no, the, no, no, uh-uh. I'm taking the baton. Well, You're talking I'm, about. I'm grabbing the baton. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't because... even done, but take it. I don't care. <laughs> You're talking about Jason Siegel himself not being charismatic enough, yeah? Plus, yeah. Because, I mean, there's even the part when he visits Peter at work and he's just, like, flirting with the receptionist. He's like, hey, well... What that was does my mother's name. That was my mother's name. All the, yeah. He walks <laughs> I don't know, to, is it? He walks up to Sydney's house and he's like, this girl's just walking home. He's like, yeah, I fucked her. I'm like, this guy? This guy with the Uggs? <laughs> hey, now. Um, <laughs> He's also going after older ladies who are maybe not so happy in their marriages or their relationships. And Zoe is not, like, won over by him. She likes Sydney for the fact that he is a friend <laughs> to Peter. But she's, she's from the jump, is kind of like, you're spending a lot of time with this person. I'm not sure, sure, like, he's the right guy. Fit. Go, Josh. Go. I'm Josh. taking over because because <laughs> you're starting to encroach on my big speech. I think I think you're exactly right. So, I'm so sorry. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you're saying you're saying what I because I had a lot to respond to. Oh my god. So you are you touched on a a lot of what I was thinking. So re Sydney's charisma. <laughs> I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> Sydney, I think. Is a type of personality that attracts people with weaker personality sounds harsh, but weaker personalities for the lack of better clarification. People like Haley, who Sydney says within the first five minutes, she was telling me how she wanted to get married and settle down. She is not exactly choosy right now in this stage of her character development. Mm-hmm. She says a few times when meeting with the girls how desperate she is. And someone like Peter, who is so desperate for a best friend, he's going to actively befriend this guy who randomly showed up at his open house just to eat sandwiches. And I know it's a it's a great meet cute and he's a funny guy. But Sydney goes after, like he said, he goes after cougars and divorcees and widow, like he goes he goes after maybe lesser. He goes after sixes and not tens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but he's then, like a two. <laughs> but then you look at people like Denise, Jamie Presley's character, or of course Zoe, Rashida Jones's character. Characters that are strong and grounded and know who they are and what they want and what they like. And they don't buy it for a second. Mm-hmm. They don't fall for it. It's very smoke and mirrors with Sydney, and that's why it helps Peter grow and he sees through that. He calls he Sydney does out it, on though. it. Yeah, he, he calls him out and he says, we can't be friends anymore. I just don't think He cuts him out of his life. Charismatic at all. <laughs> Charima- charismatic or cute? I feel like yeah. it's either. Like trying to be nice and say. Either. Just say it. I, it doesn't, he could be ugly. I don't think he's ugly. Okay. I'm saying that I don't think anything about the persona that Sydney is. It's a no from me, dog. He's funny. That's all I'm saying. He's funny. He's funny, and I think, like I said earlier, I think he allows an avenue 
for Peter, not just in like male to male relationships, but he offers that avenue of communication that Peter doesn't have with anyone else. He can't tell Zoe, at least at this stage in his growth and his relationship, I wish you went down on me more. Like, Oh yeah, that part. <laughs> Go ahead. Tag me in. Uh, <laughs> we know we know why peter forgave him that easily they talk about it peter says to zoe if he hadn't brought this up we wouldn't be having this conversation right now so it helps mend and move zoe and peter's relationship a little bit further which i'm not saying sydney deserved to be forgiven that easily or that early but I think Peter's a very passive character. That's his whole thing. That's his whole crux is he's passive. He's okay with just having one girlfriend and yeah, I'll stay at home. You do what you want to do. I'll be right here. And so because this outburst at the engagement party benefited him in some way, maritally and sexually, that he's okay forgiving Sydney right away. I don't agree or disagree. That's just how Peter works. Yeah, I guess I just didn't. I just don't buy it. <laughs> I think, though, Rashawn, I think we see moments of it because, yes, the bullbards are a lot and he should have gotten permission first. But he says at the end, he's like, I'm really good at what I do. If he puts in the effort, I think that's the thing with Sydney. When he puts in the effort and he does care and he does try, that's where you see the 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 draw the charisma the the good person that is underneath here's the thing i don't know how this would work let's workshop the script but let <laughs> <laughs> me get my if, rib hand <laughs> if sydney was already someone that peter knew mm. i think a lot of the things that he gets away with or pulls doesn't fly with me because i'm like you just met this dude like and what if, the speech at the dinner. Oh, okay. the, I mean, not picking up his dog's poop. Like, right, come let's on. Talk about that. The way okay. he goes off on the guy after he says he steps <laughs> in his shit. Like that. The, a lot of those things. I'm thinking if I this was someone that I just met and they did shit like this, I'd be like, I but don't they're know. so opposite. Peter cares so much, and Sydney does not care. And I think that's the big like draw for Peter. That's appealing to Peter. I think Peter you have to think of this as a romantic comedy. This is a rom-com. Peter just had his heart broken when he basically found out, was told, whatever, he has no friends. So he's in a state of desperation as well. He's very willing to forget a lot of these things. So so what's the thing, because we see through the montage, if Sydney had been a character in the montage with the not picking up the shit or anything like showing up the way he, the way he dresses i don't know something if sydney could have just been a character in one of, in the montage where is the moment that is different from all the other guys because if this is a rom-com what what's the moment where peter sees that sydney is the one and i think it's the dinner it's oh it's fish tacos i think that put sydney on such a high bar because it was they talked about hybrid cars and they did their Andre the Giant impressions and they <laughs> ate three rounds of tacos and had a bunch of drinks and it was like a perfect evening and I think it started up at the top. See, I think the the phone call when he calls him back after the voicemail is what mm-hmm. gets him. 
Because I think the way that Sydney is just, he doesn't really comment on how awkward Peter is. And he's just like, okay, yeah, like, just meet me here. It's fine. Like, he never comments on how awkward he is. Like, even after the dinner, when it's, again, that secondhand, that secondhand embarrassment where Peter's doing the whole... Jobin. Jobin, yeah. <laughs> and even still, Sydney laughs about it, but he's just like, all right, man, just, like, let me know when you want to hang out again. Like, again, he's just, like, very cool, very passive. Like, this is just how he is. And he he doesn't ever make fun of him. He's just like, mm. yeah, okay, that's Paul just Rudd fun. goes, I'd rather eat dirt. <laughs> and he goes, I still want to hang out despite that joke. <laughs> And I think it I think it's also like we get those in rom coms all the time of the montages of like you see why every single one didn't work. Mm-hmm. And that's what emphasizes why this one feels so good. You know what I mean? I do. I guess I just never got that mo- that clicking moment. I do see what you're saying, Josh, with the fish tacos and, and Rush. I don't know if the I'm forgetting his name, but the character he goes, he's from the gym. Joe Trulio's character. I hated it. What? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Please if insert it was... a clip of his voice right here. No, absolutely not. <laughs> this is awesome. I can do it. I can just do all his lines. No, <laughs> okay. yeah. I don't do know you... if it was like funny in 2009, but it's not funny. It now. was very funny. I can assure you, it was I very funny in 2009. It is funny. not funny. It's, it's not, not funny. funny. I don't know. Maybe it's really funny to somebody i'm not sure i will say i agree with you now that watching it now it is a little jarring it seems very much out of place yeah like if he was just you know quote-unquote normal guy and then got to the soccer game and just had rage issues yeah that would have been funnier to me because you're just like oh he's finally meeting someone and then he just starts fighting and he's also like five foot two so like that would be funny (laughs) But the voice, I'm like, what? That's just. Or, or if he had a funny voice the whole time, it's the, it's the random spikes. Yeah, it's just kind of. Boy, in my circle, it was real funny in 2009. <laughs> <laughs> All right, final complaints, Lacey. You want to talk more about the dog shit? Yeah. So, like, I don't care who you are. I don't care where you are. If you have a dog, and you are out and about, you should have poop bags on you. Pick up your dog's shit it's not cool pick up your dog's shit it made me so angry i don't understand i don't understand he's like it's just leave it man it's good for the environment have you seen dog shit that's just been left it dehydrates and it just sits there and it's gross please pick up your dog shit i will say though no in defense no just let me finish (laughs) in this movie people Go out of their way to step in dog shit. That's true. That's true. <laughs> and the dog shits, and within two seconds, it's stepped in. And they are it's slipping like they... and sliding. <laughs> People have to like quick cut behind Jason Siegel to like step in his dog shit instead of just going around them. Any last complaints? No, I, I not a complaint, but I feel like this movie has a lot of really, really good jokes. Like mm-hmm. I laughed out loud a lot but i think i agree with rashawn that it does have that really like almost like a 30 minute lull 
we're just like, what? Come on, come on, come on. And honestly, for me, it lags a little bit with the Ferrigno estate stuff. Yeah, I don't need a lot of that. Yeah, yeah. Which sucks because Rob Hubel, I think, is fantastic. <laughs> so is that te- who plays Tevin? Yeah, yeah, he's Tevin. He's, he's great. Fucking great. I I will agree with you. There there is there is a little latch between the vag. Don't. Do you get it? That's yes, a line from the movie. We got it. Stop it. Who wants to play a game? I do. I want to play a game. All right, everyone, gird your loins. Riddle me this. It don't matter if you win by an inch or a mile. I'm guessing game. Come on, boy. Boy, play with me. All right. We're going to play a little round of this game doesn't have a name. <laughs> okay. So before we started, I assigned you each a Paul Rudd character from a different franchise, movies or television, and I wanted you to find who would be that character's best man. Who would be their Sydney? This could be from a different universe. You could have two separate movies. Doesn't matter. I want a Paul Rudd character and who their best man is. Mello, let's start with you. Okay. I gave you a TV show. You gave me a TV show. So I have Mike Hannigan, who is Phoebe Buffay's third husband from Friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I chose for his best man, uh, Jim Halpert. Oh, shit. Isn't that so good? Explain why. Oh, I forgot to mention, I'm going to be grading these and the highest score wins. So... Jim and Mike, they met through fantasy football online. So they've been buds for a while. And since Philly and New York are not too far from each other, they commute back and forth on the weekends for games. Mike is a Giants fan, of course. And Jim is an Eagles fan. So they have a little bit of that rivalry, but it's all in good fun. So what happens is, they go to an Eagles game, and that is where Mike asks Jim to be his best man. They do a keg stand, they celebrate, and the rest is history. I'm going <laughs> to pretend you didn't say the keg stands part when I grade this, because that's entirely unrealistic. <laughs> <laughs> you never Why? done a keg stand? Are, by this point, they're like 45 years old. Yeah, well... They had help. Not 45. They're like 35 to 40. Yeah. You do a keg stand. I'll do a keg stand in five years. Someone will hold my heavy ass up, but I'll do it. <laughs> I haven't graded you yet. You want to keep arguing? No. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I'll give that a seven out of 10. Okay. Lacey. It is so funny that Mella chose Jim Halbert because I was given Brian Fantana from Anchorman. He is such a sexual vulgar man and i was like who would be the counterpart to this this person and the only person that came to mind was mr michael gary scott no shit (laughs) (laughs) jesus christ at first i was like well maybe it's just date mike that's friends with brian you know they like they go out and they're on the hunt for ladies with their you know over the top masculinity their backwards hats their speedos (laughs) and then i was like no brian fantana needs constant validation and needs constant hype 
And I can completely picture a world where Brian says something like, it's called Sex Panther. And Michael just turns to the camera and gives one of those wide-eyed, like, did you hear that? (laughs) (laughs) To the camera. Like, I feel like Brian is what Michael wanted Ryan to be yes. in the office. Like, he's the hot, cool, sexy, fun... Young. Young guy for him to, you know, latch onto and go hunt for ladies with. I like that, though. You, I wasn't sold at first, I'm going to be honest, but your, your Sex Panther moment really solidify that vision i'm gonna pretend you didn't just roll your eyes at me when i give this score (laughs) because you didn't even hear the score yet i'm gonna give you an eight out of ten wow thank you yeah rashawn yo who'd you get so i have a mr scott lang from the ant-man franchise so he is planning his wedding to one hope him and they have of course saved the world from the threat that is Thanos and they are settling down and they've decided to have a very 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 tiny wedding oh I get it because Ant-Man because he's small yeah (laughs) 10 out of 10 all right And so they use the powers that they have, the technology that they have created to shrink themselves down and have a beautiful small wedding in their backyard. And as his best man, Scott chooses a one Matt Damon from the film Downsizing. (laughs) His character, Paul, who chose to go through the chose to go through the what is it called downsizing process I, that's, there it is <laughs> who chose to go through the downsizing process and is permanently five inches so because they're all small and matt damon is already there you know he's a bro scott's a bro <laughs> they both like bro together he's like hey <laughs> me and my wife were like small right now you want to be my best man and Matt Damon's like yeah I'm downsized for life what? so I'll be your best man and they go why out. can't Scott just shrink <laughs> because, the, because that's why go easy. through the trouble he's already small he doesn't have to shrink anyone else with, <laughs> because Matt's, Matt's already down there so I've never seen downsizing. Can you give me just like a quick summary of Matt Damon's character? Yes. So he is married to a woman played by Kristen Wiig. They mm-hmm. choose to go through the process of downsizing. She backs out. He is downsized. He by stays Christoph- little. Christoph Waltz. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And he... There's... Don't watch Downsizing. Anyways, but at it's the end of the a, movie... It's not a great movie. <laughs> no, at the end of the movie, he chooses to stay in this 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 little city that is small. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, Rashawn, other than size, why else would they be friends? Because size... <laughs> yep, yep. It's okay, one common so- denominator. Y'all gave Sydney and Peter the rush. They have rush. 
Scott and Paul have small, you know, size. That's a very valid point. I will now, before I give the final score reveal, there is one bonus question worth 10 points. Oh, boy. So first, Rashawn, <laughs> I don't know if I agree with the pairing, but it made me laugh. So I'm going to give you a seven as well. Okay. So bonus question worth 10 points. We're looking for, this is a buzzer situation. Okay. Is everyone ready? No. Name a Rush song. <laughs> you got me fucked up. Nobody listening to this damn podcast no one knows. knows. Oh, best song. Taylor oh. is the only one who would know that. No. Noah? Uh, uh, um, fuck. Hold on. Let me think. Wait. Five. No! Four. Three. Two. One. All right, folks. Oh. <laughs> Electric something. Right? I don't Half think points. So. I'll take five. No. Yeah, electric. He says electric. Rashawn, do you have any guess? Slapping the bass. <laughs> <laughs> exit the Warrior today's Tom Sawyer. Oh, that's mm. the one That's the one they play like the whole time. Why? Why is he? T- you know what? I'm not going to list them. Lacey wins. Yeah! Whatever. Eight, seven to seven. Rigged. Leave it to Michael Scott. <laughs> I could have chosen a character from The Office too. Well, you who should you have. Picked? You know who you're. You playing should have picked a character with? with traits other than their size. Well, I think that hmm. two, two people in this game played to the judges' strengths. And yeah, I, that's how you play a what and game? I faced adversity and I made him laugh. Ever, <laughs> ever. <laughs> no. Wrapping things up, we can come to the conclusion that I love you, man is a quotable banger with some maybe theming issues now that we're 11 years away from it. <laughs> I liked it, okay? I liked it. It's a, it's a lovable movie. It's hilarious. It's an easy watch. Mm-hmm. But as most comedies do, some of the jokes age out a little bit, and that's okay. We love Paul Rudd. Mm-hmm. And boy, do we love Jamie Presley. <laughs> love you, girl. Also, um, please pick up your dog poop. Thank you. <laughs> We end each episode with a quick game of Six Degrees of Separation, connecting this week's film to next week's film. So we're going to use someone from this week's movie to connect to someone from next week's movie. I want to see you guys connect Paul Rudd to Wallace Shawn. Mm. Okay. No. Oh, I got sh- it. Sure, sh- no. I got one. I'll do it in one. One. No shit. What? Paul Rudd and Wallace Shawn were both in Clueless. Thank you. Let's. Oh my go. god. We got our first one. Yeah, he's a teacher. Rashawn, make a sound effect for yourself. Hit it up. A boom. Whoa. Whoa. I'm, I wow. meant in post. Impose. I meant in post. We don't need it. <laughs> <laughs> I meant in post. <laughs> The commitment, I love it. I don't know what it sounded like, but <laughs> and that, like a like a movie quote in post or oh, something. Oh, make it sound epic. Uh, <laughs> that is it for this week's episode of When Cinephiles Attack. As always, we'd love if you took a moment and rated us on iTunes. You can find this and all of our episodes on Spotify or anywhere else you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Cinephile Attack. And if you have a suggestion for a new episode or you just want to show us some love, email us at whencinephilesattack at gmail.com. From Josh, Mella, Lacey, and Rashawn.
Thanks for listening. And let us on the men, Jay. Lap in the face, man. I love you guys. I love you, man. I love you, bro, Chacho. I love you, Jobin. I will see you then, or I will see you in another time. <laughs> I don't know if you're coming. I love you, bro, Tashi. <laughs>